I remember growing up that announcements would be made about so-and-so is going to be making the talk today. In many instances in rural churches years ago, they did not have a preacher to come every Sunday. There would be different speakers nearly every Sunday from uh, the county or maybe an adjoining county. And then there would be Sundays where there would be no one who was a, quote, preacher. Be a member of the congregation who would be asked, perhaps by the elders, or maybe it might be one of the elders, who would, quote, make a talk. Sometimes it would be someone who would read a chapter and merely comment on it, which is an extremely good way to study the Bible. And if you will just take a chapter sometimes and take it a word, a statement, a clause, a phrase, a verse at a time, it's amazing what you can discover. And many of the lessons that I heard in those days were delivered in that way. So when someone would say, well, so-and-so is going to make a talk, that usually meant that he did not preach regularly. But I began to think about that, and I thought, first of all, about the statement of the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. As they remembered how Jesus had walked with them, and they talked about his talking to them. He made a talk with them. He just walked along and talked with them. Have you ever thought about how wonderful it is to be able to talk and to listen to other people talk? If we, you did not have the ability to speak or hear, it would be a difficult life. Oh, there are things now in place, sign language, all of that, you can communicate with people, but it would be a severe loss for most of us. And when you lose the ability to talk, it creates a problem for us. Andy was thankful that he had to lead singing this morning because he wouldn't have been able tonight because his voice was giving him trouble this morning, but he's having more difficulty tonight. But still, he used it today to honor and glorify God. And we just sometimes fail to appreciate the ability to communicate. The old adage of you don't really appreciate something until you lose it, that's very, very true. But let us be aware of the fact that preachers aren't the only ones who make talks. There are so many in the church who make talks when they teach a Bible class, uh, when they deliver announcements, when they make comments before the Lord's Supper, and other times. Many people make talks. And you'll remember that women teach many Bible classes for young children, and there will be some women who will be making a talk 
on Ladies' Day to the, to the ladies who are assembled. That's a major part now of Bible lectureships. There will be classes for women taught by women. And it's a very popular thing. And it helps women to grow as servants in the kingdom. So women sometimes make those talks. There are instances where maybe an elder is called upon to, for the eldership, make a statement about a benevolent work that needs to be taken care of. And he needs to prepare that announcement, as we would call it maybe, but he's really just making a talk. He might need to talk or give a report about a mission work. And so it's important to be prepared and to try to develop the ability to do that. There are many in this congregation who teach in the public school system. And really, teaching is one of the things that takes place when we make a talk. And so let's look at a few things tonight. What do talks do? Well, they entertain. Now, that's not the primary purpose of making a talk in our worship services. However, it should be noted that occasionally... You can insert something that is humorous in order to make a point. Many years ago, when Miss Georgia and Miss Cassie sat right over here, you would think that Miss Cassie, you know, was just sort of uh, very sober and just not uh, into any uh, kind of humor. But I had used a humorous example or two. And while visiting them one day down in the band, she said, Brother Anderson, I want you to know that I am so happy you have inserted a little humor in your sermons. And I thought, well, how about that? You know, and sometimes I've heard preachers that just very popular preachers, well-known preachers, G.K. Wallace was a master at inserting a funny story or anecdote just at the right time for a point of emphasis. And lots of others do the same thing. You think about all the stand-up comedians who just stand up there and talk. Now, I, today, there are some of them who talk about things that are not too comic to me. Uh, it's hard for me to stomach it. But you think about some of the things uh, that we older ones remember. Men like Jack Benny and others who just stood up there and talked. They made a talk. And we would sit and laugh and listen to them and be entertained. Well, we're not in the entertainment business. But I make that point to say this. We forget that that is something that can capture people's attention and hold their attention. And you're able to get your message across to them. 
there are other things that are involved in making a talk. A talk is designed to teach and inform. In John chapter 6, I believe it's in verse uh, 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and learned of the Father comes unto me. Notice that process. They shall all be taught. I can remember some of us kids would go to Miss Dixie occasionally and say, Miss Dixie, will you learn me how to do this? And she would always respond, no, I will not learn you how to do that. I will teach you how to do that, and you will learn. She made the point very strongly, and that stayed with me throughout the years. We are taught, but we must receive. There are many who have been taught the Scriptures, but they have not received them. They reject them instead of receiving them. Talks then teach and inform. There are people who have heard gospel sermons or maybe just someone who was not a full-time preacher just making a talk. And suddenly the light comes on. I'd never thought of that. I'd never thought of that that way. And so they learned something. They were informed of something that they had never thought about before. Talks also convince. When you make a talk, you need to be aware of the fact that it convinces people who are honest and sincere. One of the best illustrations of this is found in Acts chapter 2 that is rather familiar to us, where the apostles have received the promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon them that Jesus made just a few weeks prior to this event. He had said, as we've learned on Wednesday night, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send another comforter I've got to go back to the Father before that comforter can be sent. And when he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. And so we find in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And there were people who were there. And uh, as the apostles began to speak in all these different languages, they thought they were drunken. And uh, one of the first things that Peter does in Acts chapter 2 is to clarify. He clarifies what is happening. No, we're not drunk, as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day, we haven't had time to do that if even we were so inclined. But he then pointed out to them that this is that of which the prophets spoke. It is now being fulfilled. And so he clarifies. Making, in making a talk, we can clarify things. That's what teachers do in school. That's what teachers do in Bible classes. That's what preachers do in preaching sermons. We need to learn the importance of clarify. Clarification is very important. 
And then as you look a bit further, you'll find that Peter confirms from the Scriptures what is happening on this occasion. What the prophet Joel talked about centuries ago is today taking place. And he confirmed thereby that this message is from God. And you need to read, just begin reading in verse 14 and read all the way through the chapter, especially down to about verse 36, where he assures the people that this Jesus whom they have crucified is indeed the Son of God. And as you look at that, you'll find that he's just talking to them. He's using his voice and the ability to speak and conversing with them about these matters of extreme importance that pertains to their salvation. And so as you look at that, you'll notice in verse 40, sometimes there are people who say, well, Peter's sermon was real short. And they base that upon what's recorded. But Luke adds this point. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. He took time to explain this, to plead with people, to convince them of what they needed to do or what they had done and would need to do. They cried out, you'll remember, and asked him, men and brethren, what shall we do? And that's when he told them to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins. In verse 38. And then you can read the rest of the story in that chapter. There's another interesting example in chapter 8. And it is said there in verse 35 that Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, that's the eunuch, Jesus. What was he doing? He was making a talk. He was talking to him, using his voice and language to convey to him the truth about what Isaiah had said many, many years before. Now, you see a third thing that is important. Making a talk moves people to action. What happened on the day of Pentecost? About 3,000 people were immersed for the remission of their sins. What happens in Acts chapter 8? We have the eunuch asking upon hearing Philip preach Jesus, what hinders me from being baptized? It's interesting that nothing is said about all of the message that Philip preached. He simply preached Jesus, but in doing that, this man learned about baptism. So that tells us that preaching Jesus involves preaching baptism. How would he have known about it? It's not mentioned in the book of Isaiah from which he was reading. So it was necessary for Philip to explain to him, much like Peter did on the day of Pentecost, what he needed to do. 
And so he did. So your purpose, whether you're making a talk from the pulpit, whether you're talking to children in a classroom, whether you're doing a home Bible study with someone, whether you're teaching a ladies' class, talking with a friend over coffee or whatever, the idea is to motivate your listeners to action, to get them to do what the Lord wants them to do. So talks, according to Brother Ernest Clevenger, are very important. He has an excellent little book on helping train leaders in uh, the church. And I pull this information from his thoughts in that book. Then we want to ask, how do you prepare and deliver a talk? Well, you do it like you do a lot of other things. You make preparation. You put forth an effort. You engage in it as if it is something important. It's always good for those of us who speak to remember that it's not a matter of our having to say something. I think a lot of preachers even reach that point sometimes in life where they think, oh, well, got to get another sermon up, got to preach another sermon. I remember Brother Baxter quoting from the Yale lectures where somebody had written that the burden of preaching was the fact that Sunday comes once a week. You have to always be ready, he said. That is, that is something that must be taken into consideration. But it's not a matter of having to say something. You have to have something to say. That's the important thing. Whether you're preaching, teaching a class, doing personal work, you can't go into a personal work session blindfolded. You've got to have something to present, something to challenge that person, to think about, to motivate that individual to obey the gospel. I remember several occasions through the years where I used the Jewel Miller film strips for many, many years. And you can now get those on DVDs. But I used the old ones where you had to manually operate the projector for a while. and baptized several people as a result of that. And sometimes people would be baptized midway through that series. But you always tried to complete the five lesson series because all of it was important. And it gave you a good overall background in Bible knowledge. There are three important P's. Pray. Before we present a lesson, we should always ask God's blessings upon us and upon those to whom we are speaking. We should pray regularly. As I mentioned in our uh, study of prayer a few weeks ago, if you're going to pray publicly, you better be sure to be praying privately. The more you pray privately, the better you'll be able to pray publicly. We need to all 
be in the, quote, habit of praying. The second P is prepare. We're taught throughout the scriptures that we need to make preparation. You remember the five foolish virgins did not make preparation. The one talent man did not make preparation. And there are countless other examples of people in the Bible who didn't make preparation. Can you imagine people who years ago had no idea a tornado was coming from that way, this way, whatever way. People who didn't even have radios, let alone TVs or, or all the technology that we have today, uh, they were totally unprepared. I remember a horror story when a tornado struck the mountains up in the Cumberland Mountain area. In Jamestown, a man opened his door and was struck with a beam of wood that was flying through the air. And when he opened that door, it just killed him. I believe the entire family was killed in that storm. An old gentleman from Jamestown told me that story when I lived at Monterey. No warning at all. But we're given warnings. We have the scriptures we can be prepared to teach and to present the truth to people. And we need to practice doing that. I'm supposed to have a part in a memorial service for Brother Morgan Medlin. He did not want a funeral. But his wife said, I need a memorial service. And so she's doing one this coming Saturday. And she's going to have three speakers one of the things that I remember about Morgan was that he would practice his sermons. When he was holding a meeting, he would stay with somebody in the community, and an aunt of mine reported that she could hear him up on the hillside in a cedar thicket preaching. He'd go up there and practice, and it is said that he could quote the entire New Testament at one time. He practiced. We all need to practice. We need to be sure that we're prepared and ready to deliver those talks. Again, whether it's in the classroom, pulpit, wherever, we must practice. We need to select a subject with which we're comfortable, that we feel like is needed, and we can make a talk about that. Many of our young men and older men now extend the invitation on Wednesday night. I suggested that several years ago so that we could help every, all of us develop those skills. And it is amazing at how wonderful they have responded to that. But they come prepared. And I have no doubt that some of them do practice. But the first thing they have to do is select a subject. Here's what I want to talk about. Study the scriptures, you find subject after subject that is worthy of attention. Get organized. Organize the material and put it in a systematic order so that you can make your points, usually leading from the less to the greater, and you gradually build until you can come to that conclusion. And then there's the presentation. First time I ever spoke, 
I was really, really nervous. And that 30-minute sermon lasted about 10 minutes. Brother Clarence DeLote said here a while back that his lasted 14 minutes, I believe. But uh, you learn to deal with that. You have to project confidence and enthusiasm. You need to let people know that you're honored to do this and that you want everybody to participate therein. So we need to do it with confidence, not overconfidence now. We will all make slips and we'll all mess up. We'll say things that we just didn't say, uh, didn't think about saying. I remember Brother Count when he was here. Uh, would uh, when he was very tired, he told me later, he said, when I get very tired, I will say we're glad to have you here on this Monday evening, and it might be Wednesday evening, things like that. That happens, and we have to be patient, and we have to give people some leeway in those things. Somebody said one time that somebody objected to something that he said in the sermon. Uh, I had a man one time that objected to the fact that I said where we shall spend eternity. He came to me immediately after the sermon and said, you don't spend eternity. Eternity lasts forever. And he just went on and on and on. And I felt like telling him, well, I'm glad I said spend eternity because you can't tell me anything else I talked about, you know. But I was tried to, I tried to be nice to him and I said, sir, I understand that. I know exactly what you're saying because I have clarified that point many, many times. But it was simply a habit. We have said it for a long time. We'll make statements like that, and people usually take that into consideration. But present the material in the most effective way that you can. The Bible talks about idle talk and idle talkers. Titus 1.10, 1 Timothy 1.6. But the talks that we are discussing in this lesson tonight are not chit-chat. Uh, it's not a matter of filling time or killing time. It is a time that is very important in our growth and development in service to God. We need to avoid anything that we can that's distracting. I have heard people's change rattling in their pockets as they preach. They'd had this habit of sticking their hand in their pocket and, and clanging their keys together and their change. That's very distracting. Be careful about your appearance. Oh, we don't have to. There's no formal dress code per se. But I still remember someone who told me of a man getting up to preside at the Lord's table one Sunday night, and he had a beer advertisement on his T-shirt. Now that would draw a lot of attention away from what we're doing. So we do need to take uh, heed about those things. Another thing that we do when we make talks or should not do when we make talks is to feel like we have to rehash. And I'm not talking about somebody who says, well, Edward said something this morning or, or last week. Anything. I'm not talking about that. 
But I remember going to a place with my brother once when he was preaching at a certain place. And there was a gentleman who got up before the closing prayer and he proceeded to re-preach and rehash that entire sermon. Like, you know, nobody here has heard it, so I'm going to tell them again. Well, we don't, we need to avoid such things as that because it distracts from our overall purpose of what we're doing. We're here to worship God, to honor and glorify Him. I can't emphasize enough the, the gift, the wonderful blessing that God has granted us with the ability to talk and to communicate with one another. One of the things that I've enjoyed, <clears throat> uh, people who have brought food to our house, coming over and just standing or sitting, whatever they preferred, and us conversing for a little while. Man, that's a wonderful blessing. And that'll be remembered for a long, long time. The ability to talk. Wouldn't it have been great to have been one of those men on the Emmaus Road? Just think of that, talking with the Lord. An individual not too long ago was talking with someone in a visitation line at the funeral home. And he said, you talk to your loved one who has died. He said, I go to the cemetery. I know they can't hear me. But I talk to my dad and mom. Don't ever underestimate the importance of being able to talk. Let us do it wisely, discreetly, kindly, lovingly, but let us never hold back from telling people the great story of salvation. Grow as a servant. Learn to make a talk. You're subject to the invitation of the Lord. You know already what to do to become a Christian. Acts 2 tells you. Acts 8 tells you. And many others tell you. So why not do that tonight? You can be baptized into Christ. If you're an erring child of God and you've been unfaithful to Him in any way, privately, you can take care of that between you and your Maker. If you've brought public reproach on the church, you need to confess that sin publicly and ask God's forgiveness. Come if you're subject as we stand and sing.